Yo, what's up everybody? I am so excited for this bonus episode. This one is a new segment that I just thought of called Storytime. Um, sometimes I like think I uh, see different things in the world or experience different things and I feel like it would be cool to share them. Um, and they're all, you know, of course would be applicable to seasons content, but again, similar to the previous bonus episode um with soul you know the look back episode it's it doesn't fit within the framework of the season so it just doesn't make sense to include it as its own episode but i think it'd be really cool for the patrons um you guys getting exclusive content to include this so this is a really cool episode um basically me telling the story about how i got this cool opportunity to work with the art institute um over the last year um, I got to handle and uh, just kind of like um, get really close and intimate with this Dave, David Drake piece um, that they acquired and wanted to create. Uh, they invited different artists and community members, writers, thinkers to um, you know contribute thoughts and perspectives that will contextualize and really give people um, the full grasp of what this part really means what this work really means so i was so excited to do it um having you know connections in my hometown and being able to do something that was cool and then my mom got to see it which was really really dope so if you heard the second episode you know how my mom is and being a proud you know parent and stuff so she was completely in awe and it was a really great opportunity so check out this episode Shout out to Elizabeth McGooey at our institute for giving me the cool opportunity to do this. Um, and enjoy. Talk to y'all. You know, I my mom had always basically like wanted me to be in connection, you know, to have some kind of opportunity here. And recently a friend recommended me to do some work with them. Um, <clears throat> the institute uh, acquired a Dave, a David Drake piece. Um, as many people know him as Dave the Potter, a man who was enslaved um, and, you know, worked like his former work was pottery for his masters. He had several, three masters that they know of, but of course, probably more masters than that. Um, and so, you know, David Drake is a big pillar in the ceramics community, um, big pillar to black people in the ceramics community. And so to be able to work you know, with this institute in my hometown, doing something that's very connected to my practice, very connected to my lineage as a maker, as a black maker. You know, I was really stoked about it. And so um, I got to go down into the archives, really I put gloves on, which was super cool. (laughs) And, um, you know, I got to handle the piece. Um, It was a really large jar. Um, oh, backtrack, just for those who don't know about David Drake. Also, one of the cool things about him is that, you know, of course, during the time of slavery, like it was illegal for enslaved folks to be able to read and write. But David was so bad, yo, like so bad to the bone. You know, he he like not only do I know how to read and write, I'm going to sign my name on these pieces. Right. And so that's really cool and that's one of the reasons why he's one of the few people we know by name um of that time period who made work then so when i was in archives i got to see this large jar that he made saw his name saw you know all these 
very specific details. But then as you um, began to hold it and touch it, I mean, well, maybe not hold it, but like hug it because it's so big. Um, you start to see all these very cool details, um, you know, like as many folks who work in clay know, like one of the beauties of the material is that it records everything, you know. Clay is one of the oldest materials and one of our biggest resources for understanding communities and civilization across time because it has the ability to record information and it's so strong, um, darn near indestructible that, you know, we are able to have this very solid piece of history that is from the mouth or from the hands of the people that we're trying to learn from. And so, you know, when I'm looking at this giant jar of David's, it's so cool because you get to really see who he is, you know, to my knowledge, I don't think we have any photos of this man, but clay is the next best thing. Um, you know, to see his throwing lines and to see how beautifully like, interval they are and consistent and just all those different things that make up you know what I understand as a master in the field um but then also when you look deeper you see the width of the throwing lines and so you're like oh he had really big hands you know it starts to paint these pictures of like who is this man you know wanting to study him and learn him not in a weird ugly scientific way but you know like the way you would your grandfather if you were like a very little kid right and you're just like touching your grandpa's hands and you want to and you notice the wrinkles and you notice the veins you notice the texture of his skin you notice all these different things you notice if one finger is a little bent this way you're like how did that happen you know like you just you begin so become so inquisitive and observant that it's just you just become hungry to know more um, and so that was so cool. And being able to see these petals um, that he poured for the glazing is like, oh, like this, this is, this is how you're designing the, the aesthetic of the pot. This is how you're um, thinking about beauty. And that was cool, you know, seeing how he created the handles, um, the lip of the jar, all those different things. And so just completely enamored with that. But then also the, the, outer texture is a little bit rough um rough meaning like almost like if you think about uh like a very rough sketch but a sketch that's intentional but no less rough you know um and and so you're like oh he was moving really fast with this right like and so you know as a maker in the quote-unquote ceramic professional field you know we obsess over the hand which i'm clearly doing right now um but you know Sometimes when we obsess over it and obsess over the objects, we're just like, oh my God, this is like the greatest thing ever, which it is. But in the same regard, you know, to Dave, it it was everything, but it also clearly he was doing his job, you know, he was moving through the motions. And so there's a certain level of gentle care, but also finesse and speed that he applied to the forms, um, which I, I really enjoy because you're just learning about his mind. Um the other thing that I love that is a personal theory, it may be false, but I'm going to just ride with it, is that, um, so like many of other days past, which we know he signed his name, he often wrote poems on them, he, t- he wrote the dates, he, he, he did things that documented the time and place, um, documented what he thought, 
Um, but particularly my theory is so, so first off, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but you know, you could tell that the clay was really wet when he signed. So it has like a little bit of a burr or this like kind of little scruffy part, you know, when the, the tool, the, or if he had a needle tool, you know, dragged through the clay as he signed and wrote his name and wrote these words. But what my theory is, is that you see he's writing, um, you know, September and he's writing S E and it's all cursive. Very beautiful. Actually looks like my grandpa's handwriting. Um, so he's writing S E P and midway through the P the, the, the backbone of the P looks like it goes all the way down to start the D for David and, or D for Dave as he signed it. And my theory is that this man was so bad, you know, not necessarily full of himself, but just was like in the moment, just like stop writing the logistics, right? Which is the actual day, you know, September 17th, I think 1857 is the date. Um, and he uh, stops, you know, and just like, I'm going to write my name now, you know? And so midway through writing the P, he stops and he writes Dave and then he continues about the logistics. And so to me, the reason why I hold that small theory so close to my body is that like, you know, at some point he, he was like, I'm just going to center me and I'm going to write my name right now. Um, Cause that's what's important. My name. Um, this is equally important, but this is important and I'm going to stop and do that. And I think that's really cool. So, um, it was a really cool opportunity. Got to be in the archives, did all that fun stuff. And then I got to write a sample piece, uh, writing, um, that talked about what it meant to be in this space. And I really enjoyed doing it. Honestly, I, was like really scared because, you know, I, I, I think of my son, I know like if my old capstone professor, which she probably is listening, what's up, Ann, um, was, was hearing me talk or Peter, you know, they always like, you're, you're a pretty good writer, but, um, you know, I'm always subconscious about my writing. And so to my only entry point into working with this Institute, right. My, my opportunity is to write, you know, which is something that I, I feel sometimes a little bit shy about. Um, but I, I would love to read it for you guys is, um, I end up just talking about more emotionally what it meant to be in this space rather than lean on logistics or being an archivist. Um, I was one of, in the final product, one of four, but I think they invited a couple other people that ended up pivoting or switching gears, but there was going to be a curator in there and a writer and all these other people who are talking about hardcore logistics, you know, and me as a ceramic artist, me as a black woman artist working in clay, you know, from Chicago, like I wanted to provide something that was a little bit more heartfelt, um, which is thankfully more of my strong suit, um, to be able to kind of like paint this picture of what Dave's work means to this world. Um, and that's what overall the Institute was trying to do Shout out to Elizabeth McGooey, um, who, who allowed me to be a part of this whole space. Um, the curator who was organizing this and being able to contextualize and try to create this conversation to do the acquisition justice. Um, but yeah, so it, it was really cool being able to write about it. And 
my words were, you know, printed in vinyl on the wall. And so you would see, see this, you would see Dave's work immediately first. And then as you walked into this small little alcove, you would see these little testaments from other people. So this is what mine said. It is easy for the mundane to be overlooked, but that is where we find resistance in its rawest form. David Drake's pieces are filled to the brim with small subtleties that can be easily missed. Yet taking time to follow the rhythm of his throwing marks, the gentle pour of his glazes, to trace the lines of his signature can help me slow can help us slowly discover the pieces that make up the man. When first approaching his work, it is tempting to comment on his exceptionalism, the way he defied the odds to achieve something astonishing. Well intended, the praise overshadows the tiny nuances that make up the <laughs> well intended, the praise overshadows the tiny nuances that make up the work and his life. Taking time to pause and enjoy every aspect of his forms, you come to see the context of his resistance, but also the inner workings of his genius. Standing near his vessels, you understand the elements that shaped him, but more so the raw skill he innately possesses on his own. Being in the midst of David feels like meeting a distant cousin. Reconnecting with the, reconnecting with this ancestral lineage of ceramicists, reigniting my intuitive bond to the medium. This moment feels like a long-awaited family reunion, and I and I am so glad to be home. And to me, you know, what I love so much about this this small piece of writing is that it's just me trying to showcase you know, my proficiency in ceramics, um, but also my connection to other different people who might not feel confident in being formally trained, um, you know, and trying to speak to the elevation of the geniusness and the intellect that everyone has, whether you go to school or not, you know, when you work with this material, there's a certain level of inherent intelligence, you know, and skill. And I think that for me, as someone, you know, I, it's a double-edged sword and I, I definitely like am being honest about, yeah, I did have, you know, the, the privilege to go to school and I can't ever forget that. Like that is something I'm very grateful for. But, you know, I, I really align with folks who, who are just out here making and trying to learn what they can. Um, you know, shout out to my alma mater. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel very aligned with that because a lot of the learning, I, I was self-guided, you know, to figure out my practice and what I need and what I wanted. You had to be self-guided, you know. And to some extent, that is the expectation. But to other extents, like, you know, academia is not made for black and brown kids. It's just not. It's, it's becoming reformed to be embracive, but it's not inherently designed for us. It's just not. Um, but you know, what I loved about, you know, being able to articulate that in the piece is that also like, which is a part of my work in a lot of ways is talking about exceptionalism and the way, you know, black exceptionalism haunts, you know, black and brown people across professions to feel like if you're not achieving in this gravity defying way, 
you know, beating the odds in this, you know, spectacular, momentous way, then your existence is is a failure. You know, you're not doing what you need to do. Right. And, you know, one thing that I wanted to try to demyth is that Dave is just when you look at his forms. There's no way you can deny the fact that this man was fucking brilliant. You know, he just was so smart. Not because he was enslaved, because just period. Like his intelligence was his all on his own. And when you're able to look at these forms and look at what started to slowly unpack what you can about what he may be thinking about, what he may be trying to articulate artistically to know that he was also up against, you know, a world that didn't want to see him as human. Like that's just the cherry on top. Right. But on his own, you could just tell he was just like, had God given talent. And I think that's what I feel about myself. And sometimes like, I feel like I'm not meeting academic standards or whatever, or my brother, Mike, or my family or the kids we teach with clay symbols. Like I just, that's just how I feel. It's just how I feel. It's just like at some point the odds are not the the measure stick for how intelligent you are, you know, but because grant writing is, is all about buzzwords, you know, or like, you know, diversity quotas and all that shit. And just like, it, it helps cast this large shadow over you where you, are feeling, you know, very like helpless, you know, and you can't really decipher how this, this affects you, you know, on a mental level and the ways you see your own body operating through this, through this world, you know? So, you know, I had a great time. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I got a chance to, so I wrote this stuff up, got a chance to, um, bring my mom down, which was so much fun. Uh, we, we had like a little date, um, at the art Institute, went right to the, to the piece. Well, technically we was like, got lost. And so we saw some other pieces, um, along the way. I do like this one, one painter. Um, I don't know really much of her other stuff, but my favorite painting, one of my favorite paintings of all time is, is the bath by Mary Cassatt. Um, it's like one of the few things I remember from art history, but, uh, it's, it's because of the, the perspective and the point of view and that really, you know, it's one of the few times where painting felt sculptural to me. I mean, there's a lot of painting out there that feels sculptural, but, um, Mike is going to laugh at me. I often like talk about how stuff feels flat and I just get like a little, a little itchy. Um, but, but nonetheless, we, we were hanging out and, we got a chance to go uh, to the to the little alcove where the installation was. And my mom was like, oh, I had no idea your name was going to be up here. I was like, what you thought it was going to be? She was like, I don't know. I just thought you like did something. And then we were here to see the final product. I was like, no, my like name and everything is here. Like I did this. And so she was completely amazed and unbelievable. And uh, of course, in very mom fashion, it's like, ushering folks into the the little installation and having me talk and stuff you know very classic black parents like do that little dance you know like not not performatively of course not like like a monkey and then but you know like a lot of people probably can align with that where like 
you and your cousins learn a little dance and then your family wants you to keep doing it and stuff because it's cute. But anyway, it was it was really fun being able to talk about it with different folks, talk about it, you know, with my mom, share the process, all these different details. And, you know, I think she said it. If she didn't say it explicitly, she said it in some other way, but just was kind of like this moment of like, wow, you made it like you're in our institute. And, you know, that was really good to feel from her and, you know, why I want to do more stuff back at home slowly you know, connect and stay. I'm always connected to folks that I grew up with and mentors and stuff, but wanting to show more, do more projects, do more things here and stuff like that. But, um, it was really cool to be able to, this, this beacon that feels like it has such a pulse on the city in terms of what is and isn't art, you know, for my family to see that my name was included in that to some extent, even though it was a little bit like, mm, it, it felt good, no less. Um, because, you know, that's what I want. My family means everything to me. And to have allowed them to see me at work, see me in my profession, that, that means everything to me.